Are you a healthcare organization struggling to achieve success? What if I told you that success not only depends on strategy, but also on the right mindset? At the Mindset Gap, their team of seasoned consultants understand the critical role mindset plays in achieving organizational excellence by empowering your workforce to think innovatively, embrace change, and adapt to new challenges. So imagine your workplace, one where your employees and patients thrive, where creativity and productivity go hand in hand, and where obstacles become opportunities. Don't let your organization fall into the mindset gap. Take the first step towards unlocking your potential today and email assist at themindsetgap.com with the referral code GENCAN20 to schedule a consultation. Hey everyone, welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. I'm your host, Jennifer George, and I'm joining you this evening with a special guest. Her name is Alex, and she's a child life specialist in the GTA. She works for Trillium Healthcare, and she is going to talk to us a little bit about what child life specialists are, um, their role, but also, and more importantly, why she absolutely loves what she does. So you don't want to miss this episode. Grab your drink of choice and join us. Welcome to the Healthcare Provider Happy Hour. This is a safe space where we invite healthcare providers to unapologetically be themselves after the working day. My name is Jennifer George, and each week I will connect you with guests and stories that will help transform your stress to success and fulfillment. Are you with me? Grab your drink of choice and let's chat. Hey, Alex. Hi, Jen. How are you? I'm great. How are you today? I'm really good. Thank you. Awesome. How was your day? Uh, it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a good day today. Yeah. Yeah. It's 630. Um, what's today? May 12th? I have no so, idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> don't worry. I got you. I got you. I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. <laughs> So you must have just got back from work, right? I'm assuming you worked today. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. yeah. No, I yeah, hear you. I don't you. know how long I've been home. I don't know what day it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I hear you. Do you normally work a full-time schedule? Like. Yes. Yeah. I am. Uh, I work. So for my position, I work, I'm uh, Monday to Friday. Um, okay. Usually like eight to four. So okay. I don't really stick with those hours these days. Yes. <laughs> I hear kinda you. Kind of go with the flow, but Monday to Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So just on paper there. Um, (laughs) So what are are you drinking to unwind today? Um, I have a nice glass of red. Oh, nice. Nice. What kind of red? It's been my (laughs) go-to. It's been my go-to. Yeah, and that's okay. You need it, right, at the end of the day? It's been a long day, a long week, a long eight weeks, uh, mind you, with the pandemic. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm just, uh, I'm actually drinking a a Coke Zero, and I mentioned previously, yeah, I just am craving something sweet, 
um, yeah. and a little bit of caffeine lately. So that's kind of been my go-to the last few weeks as well. Um, yeah, yeah, we've had free coffee at work today, so I got my caffeine fix for oh, sure. Nice. <laughs> so now you're winding down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so now I'm going back down the hill. <laughs> awesome. So Alex, I appreciate you joining me, joining our listeners. Um, one of the reasons why I brought you onto the show today mm-hmm. was because um, I put out a poll on my Instagram on social media mm-hmm. about how healthcare providers were feeling. And you were very honest and I really appreciated that. You had said that you were feeling like on edge lately, but you also love your job, love what you do, mm-hmm. which is not your usual and you recognize that. And I thought that mm-hmm. was super cool. So before we kind of get in to what you do though, um, mm-hmm. can you tell me first more about like who you are? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Run with it. So uh, it's it's interesting um, because when I talk about who I am, I I talk about my work a lot because I love it so much. Um, so not tying that into who I am is used to actually be really hard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been I've been in my job for a few years now, so I'm kind of learning, you know, that it is important to have um, that separation. Um, so I'm I'm Alex with two X's as per my parents. <laughs> um, I'm the oldest of two. Um, I live in Toronto um, with my boyfriend. Um, we are officially on the house hunt, which I like to say very emphatically and, and hopeful. <laughs> <laughs> hopeful right now, especially. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Good word. Exactly. Um, I don't know. I like to do art. I'm very crafty. Um, I'm not very handy. Those are two different things. <laughs> mm-hmm, totally. <laughs> um, yeah. And as, as you probably know, Jen, um, I um, come from a very big family and family is very important to me, um, which is really hard given that I live in Toronto now. And as you know, um, families in the Windsor area. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, so that, that's been a challenge the last few years. But yeah, that's a little bit about me, I guess. <laughs> yeah, no, that's all great. And I feel like um, what you do for a living, you're a child life specialist. Mm-hmm. And when you speak about creativity, and you can tell just from your, you know, your vibrational energies just in chatting with you that it just kind of sounds like the perfect <laughs> career for you because <laughs> you're, you're working with children, right? Yeah. Um, like all day. Um, so you work at, you work at Trillium Hospital, Alex, is that Yeah, Trillium Health Partners. Yeah, it's based in Mississauga. Um, yeah, yeah. So I work in the pediatric program. It's, it's a community hospital. We have a large, um, regional pediatric program. So, um, which is under the women and children's department. So yeah, I, I work there. Awesome. So what, what, um, so child life specialist to me, I never had heard of it. I mean, I'm in Windsor. Okay. As you Most know. people haven't. Yeah. Right, exactly. And I think in the bigger cities, maybe it's more, mm-hmm. more prevalent. Um, so until I met you, um, did mm-hmm. I know what, what that was? So, but mm-hmm. first, can you kind of backtrack and tell me like, how did you find out about being a child life specialist and kind of what inspired you to move into that direction? Yeah. So, um, when I was younger, um, I had my own health struggles, um, in elementary school in third grade. Um, and so I was hospitalized for a decent period of time for several months, um, at the children's hospital in um, London. Um, and I actually had my own child life specialist. Um, and I, like many people had not heard of what it was before, but, um, they were like my best friend in the hospital. Um, uh, we had a really great bond that trust was there. Um, 
And I just, I don't know, I just fell in love with what they do. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I kind of was just like, this is an actual job that people can actually do. And I think I want to do that. Um, so I just kind of stayed on that one track mind. <laughs> right. So you were, yeah, you were just a child. You were in grade three. Yeah. Yeah, I was eight. So, yeah. So it's, but it, that's amazing. So that child life specialist though had such a profound impact yeah. on you, yeah, right? Yeah, she did. Yeah. That's, do you still keep in touch with her by chance or do you? Yeah. Every you still so often. She's, she's still, she's still in the same role actually. Oh, wow. um, so just because now we're both part of the same world. Yeah, I do. Um, I do still chat with her. That's amazing. So yeah. there absolutely was no doubt along the way that, you know. No, I think for like to... a second, my friends and I like thought opening a salon would be really cool. Right. Um, <laughs> you could do both but, still. Uh, yeah. yeah. But other than that, I mean, there was nothing that I was like really excited about to, to realistically do. Um, it was more just like daydreaming. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. this is the thing where like when people would ask me, I would say I'm going to be a child life specialist. Okay. So then tell me more yeah. about what a child life specialist does. Like, what is it about that career that really, yeah, yeah pulled you? Yeah. It's my favorite question. Yeah. <laughs> Mostly because I get asked it so often. <laughs> I'm ready. Even, I'm so excited even, to even learn. Like every day, every day at work, even new people like me, they're like, so what is that exactly? <laughs> oh gosh. So, well, you guys got a big staff. So, oh <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, a child life specialist is a healthcare professional. Um, we typically work in hospitals, but, um, as the field is growing, they're um, found in other settings as well. Um, but essentially our role, um, is to help children, um, from a psychosocial standpoint. So in the hospital, um, that revolves around, um, distraction, providing opportunities for play and normalization, um, being an advocate for proper pain management, um, and also things like making sure that children understand what's going on from a developmentally appropriate standpoint. So um, being able to explain to a five-year-old, you know, what surgery is or why they have to have blood work done um, or, you know, explaining to a child a new diagnosis of, you know, diabetes, of cancer, mm -hmm. um, epilepsy, whatever it might be, um, working with their siblings as well. Um, I also do education around medical procedures, so making sure that a child understands what's going to happen, um, what the different sensations may be like, um, and then also strategies that will help them cope with the procedure and get through it, hopefully successfully, um, and with as, as few tears as possible. But of course, we always say that crying is okay because it's very scary. Absolutely. Um, so we do a lot of, of lighthearted stuff like play and you know, celebrating birthdays and milestones. Um, and then we do a lot of the heavy stuff as well. So I work with kids who are um, near or at end of life. Um, I work with siblings who have lost a sibling um, at our hospital. Um, and with the current, you know, pandemic and everything, I've been working with a lot of children who have parents in the hospital who may be dying, um, whether it's from COVID or otherwise, um, wow. who are unable to come and see their family member in the hospital due to, you know, the new visitor restrictions and things. So it's, right. it's a lot of fun. Um, but I always say it, it on the really good days, it's really good. And on the really bad days, it's really bad. So yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty broad. It's pretty, it's really broad. <laughs> I was just going to say you cover a super vast yeah. spectrum there. So are yeah. you, are you like, the, are you present then? Um, when like a physician is coming in explaining the procedure to the family um, or what's be. recommended or it kind of it kind of depends 
Okay. It kind of depends. Um, yeah. So it depends. Um, so at my hospital specifically, so I'm the only child life specialist at, at my site right now. Okay. So I cover our inpatient unit, um, our outpatient oncology clinic, um, and then some other specialty pediatric clinics. Um, and then when, when things were normal, <laughs> yeah, I covered the surgical program as well. Uh, most of our pediatric surgeries are considered elective, so they're on hold for now. Okay. Um, and then we do, um, we have a pediatric palliative care program. Wow. Um, but as more and more people find out what I do, um, because children are seen in other areas of the hospital as well, not just the women and children's program, mm-hmm. um, you know, for instance, like the emergency department or diagnostic imaging or the outpatient lab, um, when more and more people find out that I exist in the services that I offer, you know, people yeah. all over the hospital have my extension now. <laughs> they yeah. Just, yeah. They call me and if I'm able to come and support, then I, I can. Um, wow. So yeah. That, so you do everything and <laughs> you <laughs> just do everything. It really, oh, but, it really feels that way. <laughs> yeah. But honestly, you know what, as you're sharing what you do, I'm thinking to myself, wow, there's such a big opportunity here. Um, just in general, like the needs, even people in mm-hmm. the community, right? So that oh, are yeah, going yeah, absolutely. in similar circumstances, just not in hospital. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. It's really just about, you know, I always go into it with how can I make this better? So whether it's for, um, a baby who, you know, is now been thrust into a world of painful medical procedures or the parents are very stressed out, um, whether it's a young child who's very scared or even a teenager, you know, just being a companion for them or someone that they can share things with, um, or just take their mind off of whatever is going on with their hospital stay. Wow. So, um, you could be expected to see like how many people a day? Um, children or families. Um, we'll go with normal times because right now it's yeah, different. <laughs> right, exactly. Let's do the average. <laughs> um, it it depends really. Like, um, realistically, like I could technically see every child on our unit if I if I had the time to. Right. Um, because everyone would benefit from even just a check in, making sure they have toys and things like that. But that that's also what I have my awesome volunteers for, who I sadly don't have right now. <laughs> right. Oh my goodness. Um, yeah. Or students. So it could be yeah. it could be a good handful. Like, um, and even in our oncology clinic, on busy days, we can get up to maybe fifteen kids coming in for procedures. Wow. Um, but on that same day, I may have referrals for you know imminent things that are happening on the unit. Um, if I'm lucky, then the unit is not as busy and I can focus on the clinic. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also, again, in regular times, I teach um, um, school-age children about surgery who are coming for um, those elective procedures. So everyone knows every day at 2.30, Alex has her pre-surgery class. So right. no matter what I'm doing, I unless it's an emergency, I essentially have to drop what I'm doing to go see those kids. And those kids I could have up to the most I t- I'll take is six at a time just because then it gets to be too much. Right. So it, it, it can get up there on, on a traditionally busy day. Um, so yeah. <laughs> so tell, okay. So that, so it sounds like a very like high energy, like it, it could yes, pull you in the coffees. <laughs> yes. And then the wine. So I, yeah, get, exactly. I, I get it. But tell me like, You've been doing this now since I think 2016. Is that right? Yeah, I got my certification in 2016. um, And then I was doing some community stuff and I got this position in 2017. Oh, 2017, where you're at Mm -hmm. now. Okay, I Mm -hmm. got you. So tell me, like, you're very open about how you would not, like, be anywhere else than where you are right now doing Mm -hmm. what you're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. So despite, right, despite um, the challenges, 
with lack of time, let's say, lack of resources, you're the only child life specialist, for example. Like, tell me why or how through all of that, you still love your job so much. What, yeah, what is that? The difference yeah. there for you? It's, so it's, it's, it's really hard. So on those busy days, it is a challenge. Um, like, anyone I work with will tell you like from my office, if I hear a baby crying or a kid crying or like some sort of commotion, like my ears perk up immediately and I go see what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, sometimes it's just a diaper change and that's why. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes it may be a procedure that I don't know about. So I will immediately, you know, offer my support and things like that. But there are days where, you know, it, it you know, I'm supposed to leave at four o'clock, but there are days when it can be, you know, five thirty, six o'clock. And I, you know, had to wrap something up and then I see the nurses, you know, taking someone else into the treatment room and it's, it's a challenge for me to be like, no, Alex, it's time to go home. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. The, the hardest thing for me is knowing that there are, um, children who are going through very stressful procedures within my hospital. Um, and I simply, like, it's simply impossible for me to be there for every single one of them. Right. Um, even in very large children, children's hospitals where there are, you know, teams of 30 child life specialists, even all of those kids wow. don't get the support that they, that they could. Um, and that's, you know, simply just the way time and numbers work. Um, mm -hmm. So I kind of remind myself of that, that I am a team of one and I, I've done the best I can today. And the children that I did get to see, um, I kind of have to be content and be satisfied with knowing that I gave every child I worked with my best. Um, and yeah. whether things went as planned or not, I've kind of learned the last few years that some things are simply not going to go as planned. And that's just the beauty of a medicine and B working yes. with children. <laughs> yes, it really is. And I, I, I agree. I think that's part of the beauty too. It's the art. Yeah. It's the art of yeah, medicine, absolutely. right? Is the yep, unplanned, the unstructured, um, yep. you know, putting out fires or a conflict yep. resolution, which like mm -hmm. you said, you can expect it. And I think it's healthy to expect that we're going yep, to run absolutely. into that. You know, people are people, they're adaptable. They're not, they're not a system, <laughs> even though we work mm -hmm. in a healthcare system. So that's amazing. Um, so do you, have you, I mean, you're a few years in. Can you tell me of a time or have you ever hit a point where you think you, you um, were on the brink of a burnout or how do you manage your day-to-day -day stressors if not? Yeah. So that's a really good question. I, um, so when it's really busy, I have a lot on my plate. Um, like I said, a lot of the departments in the hospital, like adult units as well, intensive care, adult palliative care you know, cardiopulmonary, all these different areas, they know I exist and they know, um, what services I can provide. Mm -hmm. So on the busiest days, um, it can be very stressful. Um, and again, and it's not about not being able to see everyone I needed to see. I'm, I'm pretty good at making sure if someone has specifically asked me to see someone, um, I make sure that that child is seen. So it's more for like, if I had other things on my to-do list, that would have been nice that I may not be able to get to. Um, but things that were absolutely essential always get done. Yeah. The things that are the hardest, and I'm sure you probably feel the same way, are um, the tougher cases and when they're kind of one on top of the other. Mm -hmm. um, the hard thing too with my job is that I, I have to know when to turn things off and on. Um, so I could have, you know, three rooms in a row and I have to see all of them. 
And in one room, um, you know, a baby could be, you know, hours away from dying. In another room, it could be somebody's birthday. And in the room beside them, it could be a child that has just been diagnosed with, you know, type 1 diabetes or something Mm life-changing. So I have to know how to go between all those things. Um, typically one after the other. <laughs> yeah. So and, the, all of those emotions that you're right. And, and yeah. to make sure, like I said, that I'm giving each of those right. children and families in each of those scenarios, um, the best that I'm able to give them. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's not hard for me to switch in that moment, but it's more at the end of the day. I'm like, Oh, wow, that was a long yes. day. Yeah. And it kind of catches up with you. So when I have a whole bunch of those days in a row, um, I don't find that I'm necessarily, I don't necessarily take home individual cases um, as much as people might think. Um, it's more just the load of everything kind of hits all at once. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, I've never been burnt out per se. I've definitely been um, exhausted. <laughs> and it okay. kind of depends on the time of year too. Yeah. Um, but I haven't been burnt out. And I think um, I could have been, um, but I've developed some good strategies. Um, and you know, there's still a work in progress, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I, I wanted to make sure I avoided that for myself, but also for my patients, because if I'm burnt out and stuck at home, then my patients are not getting any of me, let alone a little bit of me. So. Exactly. Do you mind, do you mind sharing what your strategies are? Yeah. Like I said, they're, they're a work in progress. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and they, sh- and they always will be, I think Yeah. yeah. as your, as your career fluctuates and things like yeah. that. Right. So I've developed some really good relationships with people who are um, in in my field, so who are also working as child life specialists. Awesome. And I find that, that that helps quite a bit. Um, you know, I have a really good relationship with a lot of the nurses at work, with our social worker and um, my other colleagues, but the the stressors are a little bit different because our professional lens is different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I found it's really helpful to talk to my colleagues, especially when we can talk about, you know, the same patient or or whatever. Um, but talking, you know, about a particular situation, obviously with, you know, privacy and everything. Um, but being able to talk about a particular stressor, um, with someone who shares the same lens of child life, um, makes it a little bit easier. Definitely. Um, and then also doing things like I, I like to paint and I'm not very good at it, but I like to paint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like to paint and draw. Um, I've gotten into collages recently. I really wanted to get into scrapbooking, but um, awesome. I was too lazy to print photos. So I've just like cut up a bunch <laughs> of magazines and I've been doing collaging. Um, so stuff like that. I like, I like to be busy with honestly with arts and crafts, which you'd think I, I would hate because I do that all day, but <laughs> right. That's interesting. Cause it's mine. <laughs> yeah. And it's, yeah, exactly. It's your own and it's a, a creative yeah. endeavor for you. Right. Or an emotional, yeah. um, an emotional release. And the other mm-hmm. thing about, I think it's great too. Cause when I first started at the hospital seven years ago, um, it was my social connections too with my colleagues that really helped me to adapt, mm-hmm. adjust, but also to appreciate um, my work and to, you know, just, you know, family's great and loved ones are great, but if they're not in healthcare, they, they mm-hmm. don't fully understand. So I think it's important to have trusted professional mm-hmm. connections as well. And that's one of the biggest keys to developing emotional resiliency is having those yeah. connections. And so that's, that's awesome. And good for you for being like aware and, um, more proactive. Right. And yeah, well, I've had some, some colleagues who have experienced burnout, like as, as child life specialists and they're like, 
dude, you, you don't want that to happen. Trust me. So I'm like, okay, I will find coping strategies. Yeah. That (laughs) mentorship. That hard. I do it for kids every day. (laughs) Yeah. And that mentorship is so important. And I I don't, I don't think we um, do it enough. I think if we're lucky Mm -hmm. enough to find someone who's willing to tell us um, or to share parts of their story with us, that's that's a gift. So you have some great mm-hmm. colleagues. Um, which is, I do. I'm very lucky. Yeah, that you guys sound like a great bunch. Um, one of your statements on your Instagram uh, that I love under your description of child life specialist mm-hmm. is play to empower. Yes. So tell me <laughs> what that means because that is so powerful to me, and I loved it. It's so as as many of us have probably done. Um, I've played around with my Instagram bio a lot. <laughs> yeah, I do it all and the I time. And I was like, okay, I have a character limit here. I need to describe child life. How do I describe child life? Right. <laughs> in such a short amount of words. Yeah. Um. So I, you know, I, I don't know if it's, I don't know if someone else has said it before. I'm sure they have. But I came up with, you know, play to empower, and that's I, exactly what we do. So, um no matter what the age of the patient, um, you know, I work in pediatrics, which is anyone under the age of 18. Um, but we also work with their family. So when I think of play, I don't necessarily think of, you know, Legos and Hot Wheels and Play-Doh right. um, and all those sorts of things. It's, it's more being playful and being um, comfortable and authentic. Um, and getting someone to do that um, especially in a hospital, in a place they might be scared, a place that's unfamiliar, that, you know, smells funny, looks funny, um, has, you know, strangers coming in and out of your room. Getting a child or a teenager or a baby or a parent or sibling um, to be relaxed and comfortable with you um, is one, amazing, um, but also makes them feel empowered to hopefully advocate either for themselves or for their loved ones. but then helps me to build a relationship with them um, and build that rapport with them. So if they, you know, I work Monday to Friday. So I'm typically um, one of that, one of the pieces of continuity if they have a new nurse every day. So if I've built that relationship with them, the hope is that I can at least empower them to feel open enough with me. So -hmm. that way, if there's a concern, I can at least bring that back to their medical team if they're not comfortable to do so on their own or maybe they don't know how, or they don't know the words. Um, so that's that's really what I think is meant by playing to empower. Um, and I think it's really important, especially um, in times of crisis um, or fear or anxiety or, or whatever the situation may be, and in this case, um, being in the hospital. Yeah, definitely. I love that. Um, and I think that, I think that's exactly like what you're saying there. <laughs> if you're wondering if it's clear, <laughs> it is clear to like, me. I think that made sense. It makes yeah. sense in my head. <laughs> yeah. I think it's basically creating that trusted relationship, mm-hmm. um, that trusted alliance over time mm-hmm. and hopefully um, giving them their power back. Right. And even mm-hmm. though they're in a hospital an unfamiliar setting, um, mm-hmm. like you said, strangers coming and going that they can still um, speak for themselves. Right. Yep, absolutely. Themselves in some way, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. So is so you kind of touched on it then. Would you say that is the most valuable part of the alliance between you and your your patients or caregivers? It's it's definitely it's definitely up there. Yeah. Um, you know, I 
one of the first thing, one of the first things you learn in child life school, that's not actually what it's called, but in child life school, (laughs) (laughs) one of the first things you learn is how important it is to build rapport. Um, and you know, we learn that it's, it's not some, it's something that comes with practice, especially if you're not, um, either comfortable doing that, you know, being open to small, small talk with children, first of all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can so, say, yeah. yeah. Right. It's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It is. Or even with teenagers, like it's, yes. it's a challenge. Yes. Um, so first being able to break down that barrier um, is crucial. And then for that patient or family or whoever you're working with um, to feel open enough, enough with you to maybe share something with you that they hadn't with anyone else to that point um, is really incredible. So I think that trust piece is really important. Um, And I think that comes through building um, and building upon the therapeutic relationship that you, that you have. Um, So I would say it's, it's definitely up there, that whole trust piece um, and, you know, reminding them that we are here to advocate for them, but they can advocate for themselves as well. And that's really the best way that will know what they want is if they use their own words. But if there's a situation where they don't have the words and me personally, I'm happy to help them find them. Yeah. And that's, and that's great. Like I know too, even in my own interactions, like I'll work with a patient. I don't know how much time you get. I, we get about an hour. Um, I, I take as long as I need. <laughs> right. Okay. And that's, and I love that because that's flexibility, right? Like yep. I, I, that's oh, yeah. autonomy. That's flexibility. I can be five minutes. I can yeah. be two hours. Yeah. It depends where the need is. Right. And yep, like, exactly. if you're, yeah, no. And I, I love that. I think that's fantastic. But yeah, like I'll, I'll bring things forward to staff mm-hmm. that maybe that, that they have no idea about right? Mm-hmm. And it's, um, and we all kind of do it, right? Like somebody will do that as well. Um, and that's just how wonderful our team is. Um, mm-hmm. But it's like, Absolutely. wow. And it, it, you know what it should, and it doesn't fall on one person's shoulders, right? Like, you know, right. yeah. um, you know, there's always a follow-up, you know, there's somebody always checking in, you know, that yep. um, we're always giving patients an opportunity mm-hmm. when they're yep. ready um, to trust us with whatever it is that they want to express yep. or, or concern. Yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. And it does, it it falls kind of on all of our shoulders equally. Um, I completely agree. Like I'm, I'm so, so lucky to work with the team that I do. Like our, our team um, works very closely together. So again, back in normal life, (laughs) we would do rounds on our pediatric patients every morning and everyone from allied health would have a seat at the table, literally. So it would be nursing, physician, myself, social work, um, dietitian, pharmacy, physio. And then if we needed a consult from OT, OT would be there. Um, lactation consultant would be there. Like any, anyone is welcome to join and all, all opinions and viewpoints are important. Mm -hmm. Um, so especially, especially, um, when staff know that I may have a really good relationship with a patient, um, they, they are very open and coming to me. Hey, what do you think about this kid? What do you think is the best approach for this? Mm-hmm. Um, hey, did you notice this? What do you think? Um, or, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get this out of them. You know, I'm trying to, you know, get to the bottom of this. Do you have any insight or do you think you would be able to gain that insight? Like they're, we're all very open in that regard. Um, so it does, it definitely falls on everyone's shoulders. And do you and do it's any- everyone's responsibility. Um, in doing that, do you do any collaborative treatments? Like would a, would a physio say to you, you know, Alex, I can really use your help. Oh yeah. Um, so do oh, you yeah. participate or watch <laughs> the, or observe the therapy, make sure 
a child's receptive. Yeah, I, yeah. 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 So it depends on the child. Um, so actually, actually our physiotherapist and I had a really great session, um, with a teen patient who, um, had a lot of, um, uh, motor challenges. Um, but she had a really good relationship with me. Um, and so I actually went in and introduced our physiotherapist to her. Um, and you know, I was explaining to her, you know, so-and-so really enjoys, um, they were like the sensory balls that are like squishy, but they have like different textures on them. Um, and Mm -hmm. so we came up with the idea all together, you know, why don't we get you up in your chair? Um, and we can see who's the better catcher between, you know, me and Alex. And she was, you know, taught like chucking, <laughs> chucking oh, the balls no. at us. But like we ended up like her and I were breaking a sweat. Like we ended oh, wow. up playing that for maybe a half an hour and she wow. was up, she was moving. Then, you know, we helped, I helped her do her chest physio, you yeah. know, talk her through what to expect with it and all these different things. So wow, uh, there are lots of times or, you know, I'll tag team with our social worker and social work may, you know, chat with mom or dad and I'll work with the child. Um, or, you know, the OT may come to me, you know, to see if I, you know, have observed anything from a particular developmental standpoint before she does her assessment. So we do, we collaborate a lot, um, which is great. And it's a lot of fun because then we all get to learn from each other. Exactly. And you build that rapport again. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think it's really important for the patient or the child, um, and the family to see that united front too. Mm -hmm. Um, So not just for us, but also for them to see that we all work together and we're all on the same page. Um, You know, I think that speaks volumes as well, for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the things that you and I share in common is positive communication and Mm -hmm. compassionate communication. I've seen you (laughs) post a few things on this and I absolutely love when you do because I, I, you know how I am. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I think this is the key to every treatment. Um, I think it is treatment in itself, um, Mm -hmm. you know, on top of the the clinical skills we provide. So can you Mm -hmm. tell me why this, this speaks Mm -hmm. to you as well? Like why communication is so important to you and positive communication? Um, I think communication is everything. Um, whether we're talking um, from provider to patient or family or between providers, um, I think it's huge. Um, and it's interesting actually now um, because I'm starting to see some different referrals. So like I mentioned earlier, I'm seeing um, adult patient, like adults who are the patient and working mm-hmm. with their families um, who are at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting cause I've learned a lot about the way that adult medicine works and I, I don't think I like it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's actually okay it's, though for you to know that. <laughs> right. It is so part of the growth. Yeah. One of the biggest things I noticed was that it's not that there wasn't communication, it's that things were acted on a lot slower than in pediatrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't, sh- right. Yeah. That's very interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, a child gets diagnosed with cancer, like you are starting treatment the next day or two. And wow. an adult gets diagnosed with cancer, like you, you, you got to wait a little bit. Yeah. But in terms of communication, um, it was really, it was just, it was fascinating because the way that the teams, not within teams, but when multiple teams would come together to communicate, um, it was almost like there were these expectations that, you know, this is your responsibility or this is your responsibility when but when, you know, you look at my team, it's like, it's all of our responsibility. Like someone do it. (laughs) Yeah. It's very fluid. Yes. And it's kind of like, you know, or it's like, 
that person that, you know, technically on paper has to do it isn't here, but like we will get them to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was really interesting. Um, but what was lovely is that the communication from patient between patient and professional was still, you know, compassionate and positive, which is great. Awesome. Um, so it was when more I, the interprofessional side that you noticed. Yeah, what, it was so was, it was so um, interesting. I've been obs- I've been kind of obsessed with communication lately, honestly, because, yeah. <laughs> because I just noticed I just noticed so many things being in this new new world of adult medicine. Yeah, and once you become obsessed with communication, you basically do see everything. Like once you think it's about true. communication, it's so true. If you become it's aware so, of it, yeah, it's so true. It's so true. But I think it's so important. You know, yeah. even just like hearing, you know, the way some staff may communicate things to a family and you're like, you kind of like twitch for a second. You're like, Oh, that's not how I would have said that. Like even just stuff like that is just so interesting. Um, and I mean, being a part of, you know, the psychosocial piece, like you learn, we learn about communication right away. Um, you know, a big part of my role is explaining things to children in a way that they are going to understand, like developmentally, cognitively, that they are actually going to get. So communication for me as a professional has always been huge. So whether I'm talking to a child, whether I'm talking to someone with a disability of some kind, to a parent, you know, to someone that doesn't speak English, like whatever it might be, it's, it's huge in our work. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see other professionals in different roles and how they communicate. Um, so it's, it's almost, so how you asked earlier, like, are you in the room with physicians when they're, you know, talking about a procedure and depending on who the physician is, either they may ask me to be in there because a, you know, they don't have time to explain it fully and answer questions or because they know that maybe, you know, they're not the best at communicating in that regard. Yeah. And so they kind of like say what they need to say and then it's like a take it away. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And they trust that they trust you. Right. So, and they trust that what I'm saying is, is accurate. And if a family asks me a question that, you know, is out of my scope of practice or that I have absolutely no idea about, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm open and I say, you know what, I'm not sure, but I'm going to find out. And I think that's another thing that people in healthcare can be so terrified to say, I don't know. Right. Um, because, you know, there are some situations where a family just wants an answer, but at yes. the end of the day, we don't always have the answers. Yeah. And, and so it, it's okay. I don't, it's okay to say, I don't know. Yeah. And some, and you know, and sometimes depending on the situation, it's okay to refer them to someone who might know mm-hmm. Absolutely. or bring, bring it back. Is, yeah. Yeah. My yeah. thing is, you know, I I don't know. Um, but I, I'm gonna do my best to find out and either I will let you know or I will have someone come and tell you. Yeah, and doing that and being yeah. and having yeah, the integrity. And doing it. Yes. Because yeah. that, that <laughs> happens all the time where um, you know, uh, that's expressed where a patient will say, Well, I've told so and so, um, or I've told someone and this could be inpatient or even on an outpatient level. Yeah, or you know, I've told someone six times and I still right. Yeah. It hasn't I, been addressed. Yeah. Or they just, they, the, and what I find interesting is patients don't really push it, right? They just mm-hmm. think it's being Absolutely. taken care of when really, you know, the professionals sometimes have a million things on their minds and it's very yeah. easy. So I always, mm-hmm. I always just kindly remind them to ask again and it's okay yeah. to ask again Absolutely. because we get busy, we get caught up and we forget things mm-hmm. um, and just to check in. And that's kind of yeah. empowering your patients again to take the responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I do that. Yeah, I do that all the time too. You know, even with, um, I see some kids in our outpatient lab um, for blood work and things. So they'll call me specifically for kids who have 
um, whether it's a diagnosed phobia or just an intense fear of needles or have never had blood work done before and are super nervous about it. Yeah. I always make sure, you know, we're going to have, we're going to have the Emla cream or the Emetop, like the, the topical anesthetic. Um, and you know, we're going to make this as perfect as possible and it's going to be great. Um, but oftentimes parents, you know, maybe have had their kid, you know, go to the outpatient lab, you know, hundreds of times and it's always awful. Mm-hmm. And the one simple thing that they could have asked for is a topical anesthetic, which you can get at, you know, your pharmacy, you can get it at shoppers over the counter. Um, And it's simply that, you know, you don't know what you don't know. Right. right? But you also don't necessarily know to ask. Right. Exactly. Yes. And and that's the same thing, right? (laughs) Like you you don't, you don't know, you know, people, you're like, I I didn't know you have a child life specialist here. Right. Like, so it's, again, the reason why I'm so open about working with different departments is so that way, people remember to make the appropriate referral. Because like I said, the last thing I want is for a child to come through our doors who really could have benefited from my services. And I had no idea that they were even there. Right. And that's what makes it all worth it, right? The juggling of time management Mm -hmm. and and all that stuff. And basically what, from what I'm hearing from you is um, you are someone who fills in a lot of gaps too. Like you're really a huge, you're a huge asset to the team because you know, you can have those conversations too with families, caregivers, patients, um, children who are, um, who might, who might've forgot to ask. Like sometimes mm-hmm. when you're, when you're in, um, the presence of a, of like the doctor, you know, you, you think you have all these questions ready and mm-hmm. then it goes by so fast you forget to answer. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Then, or they told you something unexpected and it was suddenly like, well, what question? Right. <laughs> yeah. And just yeah. to kind of, kind of for them to process mm-hmm. that. Right. And then you can come in and then when they're more at ease, maybe more information comes out and you can then bring it back. Yeah. Right. It's this, mm-hmm. we have to think of this as like an ongoing interaction, right? Like Absolutely. It's, yeah. It's constantly ongoing. And I know yeah. we do it mainly at an impatient level. Um, but really I see that constantly. Like, I feel like everybody needs a team. Every patient needs a team. Um, whether it's just, yeah, whether it's just, um, a therapist and a doctor or whether it's Mm -hmm. a therapist and a massage therapist, like it's just, um, you know, I think patients, yeah, I don't think we could be everything to a patient. Right. I think Mm -hmm. we, yeah. And that's one of the other reasons I love, I love how close our team is. Like we'll be in rounds and they'll be like, okay, so lactation's going to see and pharmacy, you got this covered and social work, you can go into support mom right. and dietitian. Yeah. You help with formula. And you know what, Alex? Yeah. Just go see, make sure they're doing okay. Right. <laughs> like you fill in the gap. Out. Yes. Exactly. And, then, and then you so can like, cross refer as needed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, no. And I love that because that's, I'm all about the follow up, the follow yeah. through. Yeah. You get that hurt sometimes in healthcare. You know, we've been through it. We've been through the system. We know how the system works, but patients and caregivers don't. They don't know. No, how the they really works. don't, and it's so really complicated. It, it's we don't. We <laughs> even have a hard time navigating, and we work honestly system, like right. So you can't really explain it to people. It's a hard no, thing. No, you can't. And every situation around. is so unique, and like you know, I might have referred this patient to this place once, but never to this place and this place. And I don't know how to do both because I've never done both before. (laughs) Right. Obviously that's different. So yeah. Yeah. And it would be different. Yeah. It's not as simple as 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 an email or as an electronic referral. Forms change or whatever. Like it's, it's complicated and and we don't even get it half the time. (laughs) So expecting patients to have, you know, all of their questions, all their ducks in a row right away is, is I think too great of an expectation. So what do you think is your, greatest gift to your profession right now? 
Oh gosh. What is your greatest gift, Alex? <laughs> oh gosh. I want gosh. you to talk. Yeah, I want you to talk about yourself in this light. What do you like you basically have expressed it? <laughs> you basically have told me. <laughs> I see it. But oh, what do you man. what do you what do you think you do? What do you think is your unique gift? Honestly, I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? Okay. <laughs> I'll let you sit on that one for I'm, a minute. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like I'm 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 a very, I'm a very positive person, but I'm also really realistic. Um, and even with, with my patients, if we're talking about work specifically, you know, I, I do, I try to empower them. Um, you know, I don't, you know, we're asked a lot, like within, within the child life world amongst ourselves, it's always a fun question. You know, what's your biggest, what's your favorite distraction tool? you know, for a procedure. And my answer is always me. I am my favorite distraction tool. You know, I, if I get called to a procedure, I'm not like, Oh my God, hold on. I gotta grab my iPad or I need bubbles or I need this. Sometimes I do. Yes. Yes. But if I'm, you know, away from my supplies and you know, a kid is kicking and screaming, I'm, you just, you know, you, you put your child life pants on and you go. (laughs) Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if it's one thing necessarily. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, because when I, when I say positivity, I don't want it to be, you know, like bright and shiny and joyful all the time because it's not. And in bad situations, you don't necessarily need to be positive because sometimes it's just, it's just crappy and that's, there's, there's no other way to slice it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I don't know. So maybe it's, you know, my ability to be comfortable being truthful with people, um, you know, and not beat around the bush. Like I, you know, in my role, I, you can't be afraid of saying words like cancer or dead or death or die or, you know, chemotherapy or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever your scary words are. Right. Um, You you need to be able to say them and say them to a child. Yeah. So maybe that's part of it too. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Yeah. I just think your overall presence, like you provide a presence for people um, in such a way that they need it at that time. And, um, that's what it sounds like to me. Like you're there when, you know, through the good times, like you said, when you go into those three mm-hmm. rooms and they can be totally yep. different, yep. um, and you have to go in through the worst of times. Um, yeah. and I think that your ability to adapt and your ability to still empower and your ability to just like you said, the the strongest thing you said there to me was you, right? You are the Mm -hmm. gift. And I think in healthcare, we are the greatest gift to our patients is our human Mm -hmm. presence. And we don't need, yeah, we shouldn't rely on modalities. We shouldn't rely on little tools and things like that Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. um, what they're going through is is beyond that oftentimes. And And it's interesting. It's interesting you mentioned that too. Like, you know, the human presence, like there's all these, you know, good news stories right now about, you know, people being present at bedside, you know, when family members can't be and all this stuff, but it's like, we've all been doing that all along. Right. Um, with or without family members there. Obviously now it's different. And you know, I'm sitting with many families. I've been present for a few deaths now, you know, where family wow. members weren't there and, and it's awful and it's awful. So it's not taking away from how terrible things are right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the fact that these good news stories have always been happening. Um, because if you're good at your job in medicine, you, you've always been, been compassionate and providing that, that human touch, right? Yeah. 
So I think, I think, I think you're absolutely right that it is, it is just yourself. Yeah. Yourself as in Mm. you. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you got to stand in that. And yeah, it's not, it's just not what you do. It's who you are, right? Mm -hmm. What you're, what what you're bringing to every interaction Mm -hmm. I think is what they need and um, not what you think they need. Like you're just, you're, you're yeah, there it's for meeting them. people where they're at. That's like the, yeah. the thing that people always say. And when I first learned about it, when I was, you know, still an undergrad, I first heard that phrase. I was like, whoa. Yeah. What does that <laughs> mean? Exactly yeah. It. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's one thing to say it and it's one thing to actually have to be there in present yes, to it. Absolutely. Yeah. And just yeah. accept the fact that where they're at is may, may not be where you want them to be or where you think they should be. Right. But not judging it and just mm-hmm. guiding Absolutely. them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Amazing. So, Alex, we, we're going to just kind of stop shortly just because sure. of time, although I can of talk course. to you all night. I know. <laughs> just keep talking after. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> tell, me where, tell me where people can connect with you. Um, can- yeah. So, I am, <laughs> it's, it's really challenging. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at child life alex with two x's <laughs> two x's i was just going to clarify that <laughs> yes with two x's it's awesome yes <laughs> awesome alex thank you so much for joining me thank tonight you, jen this is great <laughs> this is a perfect way to wind down i love it I, I think so too it's a chance uh to talk about our working day but also mm-hmm. to to empower ourselves to do that in mm-hmm. a way that feels good for us to share so I, yeah. I thank you for sharing and I'm definitely thank you for inviting me to share. Absolutely. It was my pleasure. And I'll continue to follow you and share your stuff on Instagram. Thank you. You're awesome. <laughs> Thanks for you. <laughs> Take care. Thanks. You okay. too. Thanks. So if you guys like this podcast, please subscribe and leave an honest review. Your feedback means everything to me. Your reviews are what moves this podcast forward, and I always appreciate receiving them. If you want to get a hold of me directly, reach out to me on social media. My handles are in the show notes. And you can always subscribe to my weekly newsletters at jenniferGeorge.co so that we can stay connected. So until next time, thank you guys so much again for your ongoing support.